last week we started, actually we started and finished chapter 12. 12, very good. And 12 introduced whom? The Benini, that's right. So the name of the book is Sefer Shal and in chapter 12 we introduced the Benini. And we described the first tool, the first practical tool that Tanya is presenting us as Mayach Shal Talalev. Mayach, the brain, Shalit rules, dominates Al Halev over the the heart. Remember that discussion? Yep. About the brain rules over the heart? Excellent. Thank you. And, and we made a, a point about the fact that impulse control is native and innate and inborn. And we uh, drove that point home, I think, sufficiently, yeah? So really the first tool that Tanya is giving us is not something that you have to go out and get. It's something that each of us already possesses. Now we just have to actually use it. Impulse control. You don't have to do everything you feel like doing. Okay. Now, chapter 13. I'll just give you a little heads up. Chapters 12, 13, 14, and 15 are all about the Benini. I mean, the whole Sefer Shel Benini is about the Benini, but 12, 13, 14, 15 are all about describing the Benini, who he is, what he is. What do we find out about the Benini in chapter 13? When we, when we did chapter 1, we, uh, I sort of sped through it because I wanted to get our momentum going. But one of the things we learned in chapter 1 is that there's a passage in the, <clears throat> in the Gemara that talks about uh, the difference between Tzadik Rosh and Benini. And the way it describes it there in the Gemara is that the um, Benini... It says, the Yetzahara and the Yetzahtoiv, Zevezeh Shoiftan. Both the Yetzahara and the Yetzahtoiv are his judges. They are Shoiftim. What does that mean? What is a Shoifet? What is a judge? A judge sits on a panel and he gives a verdict. So you imagine the Bainani as. You know the um, proverbial angel on my shoulder and devil on my shoulder? You know, the, I think it's ubiquitous in cartoons. Yeah? I think it's a classic cartoon image. I have this voice here and this voice over here. So the Bengali experience is the Itzahara is one shaifet like a shoifet or a dayan, a judge. And the Yitzhatoiv is the other judge. And each one gives his psak, gives his verdict. However, the final ruling is not like any one of them. Each one just says his opinion. And then 
there has to be a tiebreaker. And the tiebreaker is Hashem. Which is what it means when the sages tell us if it wouldn't be that Hashem helps us if Hashem would not come to our aid, or his aid rather, the aid of the Yitzhah he wouldn't be able to overcome the Yitzhah But since Hashem is going to take the side of the Yitzhah so we're going to overrule the Yitzhah What this means is we have to understand that the Yitzhah is going to have his opinion. Let him have his opinion. You don't have to be afraid of the fact, remember we talked about this in chapter 9, remember at the end of chapter 9, the, the um, allegory of the king who wanted to test his son, and he hired the harlot, the whole idea that the Yitzhah is really working for the boss. So, you don't have to be afraid that the Yitzhah is bothering you. That's what it's programmed to do. That's what it's pro you know, nothing shocking. Don't be uh, disturbed too much by it. That's that's what it's supposed to do. You know, there's a story of Naftali Mirabshitz when he was a little boy. He was making mischief, and his father said to him, "Behave yourself." And he says, "Kenished. It's a hard lost nisht. It's a hard is not letting me." So his father said to him, then you should talk and learn from your Yitzhahara. Just like he doesn't leave you alone, he constantly does his job 24-7. You should also do your job 24-7, just like the Yitzhahara. And he says, Tati, that's good, but ain't a mashal demel nimshal. It's not exactly a, an exact metaphor. He says, why not? The boy says, because the Yitzhahara doesn't have another Yitzhahara trying to stop him from doing his job. <laughs> so the Yitzhahara doesn't have a Yitzhahara trying to stop him from doing his job. But what we do have to realize is that's don't be too scared. That's that's its job. That's what it does. So he's going to say his opinion. Okay. So you have an opinion. Everyone's title and everyone's entitled to their opinion. Right. That's it. Okay. And all that really matters is the Bainini is going to always win that final verdict. He's going to invite Hashem to take the side of the Yitzhatoiv, meaning using that tool of Mayach Shalat from chapter 12. And behaviorally, the right stuff's always going to come out. In the meantime, the conflict continues to rage internally, and that's absolutely fine. When the world looks at the Bainini, what do they see? A tzaddik. So, from the outside, a Bainini is going to look exactly like the tzaddik, which is why, and again I said I sped through chapter 1 a little bit, but the opening of Tanya, in fact, where, where the word Tanya comes from, Tanya is the introduction of a b'raisa. Tanya in the Gemara introduces, indicates the introduction of a b'raisa, of a Tanaic teaching. And that particular b'raisa is that, that before the soul 
descends to the body, that they make the soul take an oath. You're going to be a tzaddik and don't be a rasha. And even if the whole world will tell you, you are a tzaddik, you should see yourself, your identity should be kirasha, like as if you were a rasha. What does that mean? Why shouldn't you believe everybody? Because they only see my outsides. They don't know what's going on in, on the inside. They don't know how much work goes into it. It looks great on the outside, but you know, it's a lot of struggle going on on the inside. So the Tzaddik and the Benini from the outside look identical. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. In fact, continuing now, is still within chapter 13, um, the Baini himself might not even feel the difference once in a while. Meaning even internally, once in a while. What's the difference between the Tzaddik and the Baini? If, if there's no discernible difference on the outside, then, then what is the difference? I mean, obviously that implies the difference is on the inside. So if you were a Benini and not a Tzaddik, how would you know it? If you have struggles. You'd feel the struggle. Exactly. 100%. Okay. Here's the thing. It talks about in chapter 13 that sometimes the Benini even gets a reprieve from the internal struggle. Um, one of the times this happens is if the da uh, if, during davening, if the Benini is really davening properly. And there can be such an emotional... Um, tuning in with Hashem that at that moment not only behaviorally the Benini is always behaviorally perfect but at that moment even emotionally the coast is clear there's no looming threat of any you know of that Deazogar of that opinion giver um, you know with his with his smart Ideas. The guy, the smart, the smart Alec with his smart ideas is is asleep. Actually, by the way, I want to correct something. I I don't remember exactly if I said this, but I'm thinking maybe you'll tell me. You'll help me. I think I might have said when we did chapter ten. You remember when we did the lesson where we did chapter ten and chapter eleven together? The tzaddik chapters, chapter ten, and the Russia chapters, chapter eleven. I think I might have mentioned. When I was describing the tzaddik she'ena gomer, the tzaddik that's not completely uh, a tzaddik, or tzaddik ve'raloi, I, I mentioned how his yetzahara is neutralized because it's so nullified. It's the the the, the, the it's nullified past the uh, the point of being significant. I, did I say at any point when we did chapter ten that it's as if it were asleep? Good, okay. I thought maybe I had said that. It's not. It's not like it's asleep. It's like it, it doesn't exist. In the, in the tzaddik, even in the tzaddik chain of Gomer. The, 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 now remember the tzaddik Gomer, now I'm confusing him because I'm going back to chapter 10, but it doesn't hurt to do a little chazara, uh, a little repetition once in a while. Remember the tzaddik Gomer, what did he do with his Yetzirah? Flipped, flipped it, yeah? yeah, flipped it, transformed it, made it a second year to tell you, right? The tzaddik she'en agama, the, the, the incomplete tzaddik, what did he do with his... 
he effectively made it null and void. It has no voice. It has, okay. Um, remember we said it's like the, the, the drop of milk in the giant vat of Cholent. It's so nullified that it's not there. Okay. The Bainini, here in chapter 13, he has a very healthy, robust Yitzhahara, but at times when he gets a reprieve from it, like when he's really tuned into his davening, it's as if Yitzhahara is asleep. What does it mean that it's asleep? While it's asleep, it's not bothering him. It's not saying its opinion. It's not yapping with its, uh, with its ideas. However, because it's only asleep, it could always wake up at any moment. So, the, the Bainini is on guard. By the way, this is an interesting... This, uh, this lends itself, this idea lends itself to an interesting interpretation of the saying of our sages, which maybe you're familiar with. Ever heard that expression? If only a person could daven all day long. So it has its plain meaning, but a deeper meaning is that the Bainini knows that internally he's always struggling because he has that shoifet, that dayan, that voice that likes to give its uh, opinion. And the only time that voice goes away is when he's really tuned into his davening. So halavai, she is kolayim. If I could always be my whole life in a state of davening, then the, the bainini, even the bainini, would effectively have an inner experience like a tzaddik. Everyone followed that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do follow, but if if, um, if if the reprieve is when the yitzhar is if asleep, but you also said the bainini is always on guard because it could wake up any any moment. Then, then, you know, how is he in, you know, in perfect state? He has to be on guard, even though the Right. Okay. And, and the question is about the Bain being on guard, because the, the Yitzhahara could always come back. I mean, it will come back eventually. It's bound to come back, and then he's going to have to actively struggle with it again. Okay. So, this is sort of what it talks about. Maybe this is a good way to, to, to move on to the next point of the chapter. Um, it makes a point, and this always comes as a shock to people. I, I always kind of like hesitate to say this to people because it like sometimes um, demoralizes people, which it shouldn't. Nothing in Tanya should demoralize you whatsoever. To the contrary, it should only inspire you and encourage you. It tells us here in chapter 13. Well, let me ask you like this. Let's say someone is a successful Bainini which means behavioral perfection. It means that even sometimes, when he's really keyed into his davening, that he might even have tzaddik-like periods of respite. Um, let's say a person is abandoned for 10 years. What do you think happened to his animal soul during that period of time? So you would think, yeah, you would think it got weaker during that time. What we're told is, no, it was, it was actually getting stronger the whole time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying it's doing push-ups? 
Yeah. That is, uh... There's a, there's a vort in, uh, in recovery. You hear this sometimes. People talk about recovery from addiction. It doesn't mean you're always an addict. I mean, you're always an addict. What kind of an excuse is that? No, it's not an excuse. If you have a program to manage it, then not only is it being managed, I mean, the premise of recovery, at least 12-step recovery, is I can't manage it, but with a higher power, meaning with Hashem's help, I do manage it. Okay. But what does that mean? If I were to go back, meaning if I were to stop doing what I have to do to remain spiritually fit, am I going to go back to... Am I going to somehow, like, set the clock back in my addiction? Like, will I have, like, if I, if I, if I was on, you know, if I was in active addiction for 10 years, and then I had 10 years sobriety, so now am I back where I, you know, before the 10 years of addiction? No. Or am I even back to where I left off after 10 years? Or if I start up again, it's as if I were in active addiction the whole 20 years. Somebody once said, it's like... You turn up a stereo to full blast, and then you unplug it for 10 years, and then you plug it back in, it's right back to full blast. So the, the saying, you're talking about the push-ups, I've heard many people say, while I'm here in the meeting, my disease, meaning my addiction, is out in the parking lot doing push-ups. And it, yes, yes, I've heard that saying, and it's very reminiscent of this line here, that even the Bainani, the whole time of his being a Bainani, his animal soul is getting stronger. And, and the Altarabbas says, how? He says, just from the fact that he uses it for eating and drinking. What, what do you want me to do? Not eat and drink? No, I have to eat and drink. But just tending to my physical needs, not indulgences, needs in a kosher way, every day, the animal soul gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, just remember, we don't categorize the animal soul as in inherently evil. It's not inherently evil, but if it's not checked, if it's not kept in place, it causes a lot of damage. It's not inherently evil. It's just abject selfishness. Now, if we harness that, then we can use that as an engine for our service of Hashem. But if we're not harnessing it, and it's just allowed to run amok, yes, it's a destructive force. So you should know that the Bainini, the Bainini, the whole time he is behaviorally perfect, and even experiencing periods of internal respite when he's davening really well, his animal soul is getting stronger and stronger the whole time. But if you could reframe that positively as well. If you are harnessing your animal soul, so you got more animal soul to harness. But we'll talk more about that later in Tanya. Can I just answer? Yeah. Did yeah. that animal soul also? The tzaddik's animal soul is converted into a second godly soul. So he, he's dealing with a totally different issue. And the one who's saying no tzaddik gomer also? The, the, the tzaddik gomer has transformed his animal soul into a second godly soul. So he's he's dealing with a totally different situation. His the she'enoi gomor, his animal soul is just non-existent. It's a non-factor, non-factor. Yeah. Um, okay, so so obviously the the, the is like known to be a big prankster, very clever. 
and it's constantly yeah. like changing its guise and disguise and all that. Yeah. So obviously the Benoni has some relationship with the Itzahara that he knows his tricks because like you said, he's almost always you know, not even almost always, but that that Yitzhak is always winning. Yeah. He is just a conqueror, right? So how how does that does Benoni need to actually be of um you know of ex- exponential intelligence to be able to constantly fight with all those tricks? That's a great question. So the question was, since we know the Yitzhak is tricky, is the Benoni just a really you know he's it's like you know Yankiv and Lovin. He told him, "Look, you're going to trick me. I'll, I'll then. If you're, you're a shrewd businessman. I'm also a shrewd businessman. At least I can be if I need to." So you're asking, is the Benny characterized as a guy who's just really shrewd at handling his Yitzhak? My answer to you is no. No, that's not what is being described here. Uh, what's being described here is somebody who focuses on God, not focusing on his own inner turmoil. Um, sometimes when you start to learn the playbook of the enemy, you start to become the enemy. It's an occupational hazard. It happens to all cops. They deal with criminals all day. They start thinking like criminals. It's very dangerous. Or psychologists listen to people who are dealing with neuroses and you start to become neurotic. Can Bainoni become inside? One, one second here. Yeah. Um, the Bain is not somebody who is clever or knows how to outsmart the Yitzhara. I mean, there, there's a place for that, and we could discuss it. Right now, what we're talking about is somebody who is focused on delivering bottom line results to Hashem. So he doesn't become a Bainini because he's so good at outwitting the bad guy. He becomes a Bainini because he's that devoted and committed to serving Hashem. And to some extent, he learns to ignore this pest and not to take him so seriously. He stays focused on, on the positive and the importance of, of, of the mission. Because after all, that that's what's going to help him. So is he constantly fleeing the Itzahara, would you say? No, he's not fleeing the Itzahara. He's constantly staying focused on what he has to be doing to serve Hashem. When he's focusing on doing the right thing, then the Itzahara loses every time. But no, he's not somebody who becomes an expert in, in grappling with his own inner dark side. So there is a formula to always winning, and that's just basically that you're not playing, in a way. In a way, yeah, he doesn't play the game, yeah. And how does he have permission to not play the game? What are you talking about? You have this very uh, formidable adversary who's coming after you. How dare you not play the game? And, and the answer to that is, this is not one-on-one. Remember we said before, there's a panel of judges, and Hashem is on my side. So I'm just going to stick with Hashem over here. It's like, you know, there's a bully in the playground, but I'm going to show up with, my tati's going to take me to school. And the bully's not going to mess with me. So the baby just stays focused on Hashem, 
and everything else works its way out. Don't don't imagine the Bainley as somebody who becomes an expert in his own garbage. Um, I think there we, we can sometimes think that way because I think there's an analog for that. Uh, probably in modern thinking that the way to conquer your inner demons is to really get to know them very well. And that's not what this is about. This is about staying focused on the positive, which is service of Hashem. Okay, I want to just mention one more thing of, of chapter 13 and maybe even move on to chapter 14, which is that the Alter Rebbe does question um, whether or not this state of reprieve that the Bainini experiences, when he's really, really in that zone, let's call it, and the Yitzhahara is, is, is as if it were asleep, and he's having that tzaddik-like experience. Um, the Altarevet questions whether or not one can call that genuine. And, and, and the reason is because truth in Torah is, is, is you know, the, the Vart, everybody knows the Vart of it. Emes, Aleph, Mem, Sof. Aleph is the first letter, Mem is the very middle letter, Sof is the last letter. Something that's Emes has to be from beginning to end. If it's only emis here or emis there, that's not emis. Emis has to be constant. Like Shlomo Melech says, Fas emis tikun la'ad. That the lips of truth, the language of truth has to be permanent. If it's, if it's fluctuating, then that, that indicates a lack of emis. So the question is, regarding the Benini's internal state, when he does have that reprieve, is, is he fooling himself? Is it, a, is, it a, is it an act? Like an internal act. Not an act for anyone else, because nothing that anyone sees. Externally, he always looks like it's out of it. But I'm saying when he feels that reprieve, is he fooling himself? And, and the Alatadabah says like this. Truth has to be permanent. That's true. Truth has to be absolute, and truth has to be constant. However, however, this might sound like a paradox, there are relative definitions of permanent and constant. Well, how could an absolute be relative? So, he says like this. Does a Bainini always feel this reprieve? No. Clearly he doesn't. He doesn't. However, is a Bainini always capable, if provided, if he does the work, if he does the work, is a Bainini always capable of getting into that zone? Yes. So it's not that I always have that relief from the Yitzhahara bothering me, but I know how to get into that zone anytime I need to. I sit down, I learn some Siddhis, I think about it, I daven like a mensch, and if I'm going to stick with the program, eventually I'll get into that zone and I'll recapture that feeling. And because that is guaranteed, that provided I do the work, I can get back into that zone. So even that fluctuating emotional state is considered, relatively speaking, to be something true and absolute. Yeah. So we can have moments of Benoni, just like the Benoni can have moments of Tzadik. Wow. Did everyone hear that? Yeah. She says, so we could have moments of Benini just like a Benini could have moments of Tzaddik. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Mm -hmm. 
You can all go home. That's all you needed to hear. <laughs> that is 100% correct. We can all have moments of bainly just like a bainly can have moments of tzaddik. That's right. And I think I told you the story last week, yeah? About the boy who asked the uncle if he's a bainini, and he told him to go say tehillim for a few minutes. Remember, for the past five minutes, were you saying anything? Were you doing anything? Were you saying anything? Were you thinking anything that you shouldn't? He says, no. And the uncle said, no? Yeah, yeah, keep it up. Keep it up, right? That's right. So we can all have moments. Now, is that a real bainini? No, it's not a real bainini, but... It's a real moment. It's a real moment, and just keep stringing together more and more of those more and more often. And eventually, yeah, you get there, yeah. So do we need to develop a formula that we could get out of when our Benoni moment is in danger? A formula for, for what? You said that some people, they go, they sit down, they start learning something, and they start... Oh. How to get into the zone? Oh, there's, there, I mean, it's, it's a pretty well-known formula, and there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Um, it has to do with, I mean, it's all intellectual. I, I, I just want to repeat something that I've said a few times, but it bears repeating. Tanya is the guidebook for the soul. It's for everyone who has an neshama. At the same time, I'm not saying this to limit it or to make it parochial or, 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 or sectarian, but the Tanya was written by the, the Rebbe of Chabad. And his approach is Chabad. Chabad means Chochma bin Adas, my, my, my intellectual faculties. So some people might say, how do I get into the zone, you know? How do I get into the zone? You know, sometimes you go someplace and it's so inspiring and you have that moment and it's just the whole, it's magic. Magic is in the air and you're just feeling, you know, what's, the, what's, the, what's that song? What about uh, Friday night, the Western Wall, first time ever there. Wow. It's blown away, right? That's Chagas. That's emotional. Chagas is Chesed Gvoretiferes. So that's Friday night, the Western Wall, first time ever there. By the way, second time ever there, eh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nature of emotions, they're fleeting. Okay. Um, Chabad means it's not because of anything exciting going on around me. It's not because the environment, or the feeling in the air, or the music. Music has a place, by the way, in Chabad, but it's contemplative music, it's meditative, it's music meditation really, not inspirational music, not like mood music. It, it, I'll put it this way, if it hits you really quickly, it's emotional. If it comes to you, it's emotional. If you're passive and you just sort of let it soak in, it's emotional. If you're generating it, if you're creating it, if it takes work and sweat, it's probably intellectual which is why it sticks with you. And that's why you can generate it anytime you want. If we were to say, you know, there are times when the Benini is so inspired that it's like his Yitzhak is asleep, it's like he has the internal experience of the Tzaddik, beautiful. Okay, one of those times. Oh, when he's in a really inspiring environment. So basically then you would be telling me he can't always generate it. because. He's totally badass He's he's dependent on having those types of 
scenarios. But if you tell me, no, this is something you sit down and you think. You think about God. And, you know, we spoke about this before, about meditation. And we'll speak about it more. But we spoke about, you know, that we, we have the power to generate emotional states. Right? We spoke about if, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. If you know how to have a resentment, you know how to meditate. Because what does it mean? You're cogitating on a thought until you get an emotional reaction. That's worry. That's resentment. Well, you take a concept that you learn in this and you cogitate. Focus. Until you get an emotional reaction. That came from you. You generated that. You did that. Now, whenever you, whenever you need that again, you know you have access to it. You know what you have to do to go get it back. Could be, you know, somebody says, you know, I don't have any cash on me, but thank God I have plenty of money in the bank and I just haven't made it to the ATM today. Or I haven't made it to the ATM for a few days. But I have the cash, it's mine. And I have the card, and I know the pin. And I can get the money. That's what contemplation, meditation is like. That, you know what, especially for mommies. I might not have the time every day to do it. But I'll tell you, if, 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 I, if I'll get a few minutes, if I'll just get a few minutes to think about God, I promise you it's, it's going to have the results. And it will. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I just there's something troubling me because yeah. if you lose weight because you're in a fat camp and they give you a certain amount of food and you don't have access to any other food, that's not really an accomplishment. So right. It's sort of like cheating if you're trying to be a bainerny by right. immersing yourself with you know it's not realistic and it's not authentic really. What's the question? Uh, sounds it sounds like you're repeating what I like said. No, because we're all because what I thought I was hearing was, oh, you just have to work on it, and you can have you know the moments, and if you just yeah. maintain these moments. So if I'm in a seminary and I'm davening shachris minchamayrev and I'm learning, you know, chitas every day for two hours, yeah. is that going to be maintained when I return home and you know life gets in the way? No. So okay. maybe I was a bainoni for those ten months or had bainoni like experiences, but I can't maintain that. Okay. So you're asking about when you're in a setting. The example you use is like you're in seminary and you're, you're, you're learning all day and you're davening all day and the environment is a serious environment and everybody is extra sensitive. And let's say for 10 months I was a Bainini. Maybe even thought I was. And then I come home and what am I left with? Okay. So I guess your question was... Was, was that real? It was real for that time, but it was more like a rush of a tovlo in a good setting. I agree with you that a person who had 10 months in seminary of perfect behavior because the environment was conducive to that, I agree with what you just said. You said that's more like a rush of a tovlo. Because remember, a rush of a tovlo can have a good run. They can go a long time without a lapse. So, technically, yeah, according to Tanya, that's right. If you came out of those 10 months and you came home, and within a few days you were back to your old shtick, 
Well, you're not a beni yet. Yet. The ten months aren't worthless, but technically, you're not a beni yet. Because like we said at the beginning of chapter 12, he will never lapse. If he's a real beni, that's a lifetime commitment. He's not going to lapse. So the question is, I guess what you're asking, I think this is what you, you can correct me, was... I was talking about how the Bainini can recapture that emotional state that is tzaddik-like and can recapture it at will, provided he puts in the time and the work to do what's needed. Then you asked about, you contrasted that? I'm not sure. No, I'm just saying, like, we're saying, what's the formula, or what's the... Right. You know. So what you described, it, that is not the formula. That You are correct. Right. Okay. Immersing yourself in a conducive environment is not the formula. It's like cheating. But, but is it not? Can I just <laughs> yeah. ask a question? Yeah. The kid who says to Helen, you said sort of when you introduced Benoni that there's yeah. one who's committed to it and the one who has the experience, so it's a right. lower level of Benoni. So isn't that maybe the lower level base? Yes, that is. The rush of the right, so correct. Like last week we spoke about the distinction between a real Bainini and someone who is having, having a Bainini like um, moment so or, or moments. Yeah. The technical Bainini is never going to lapse. And the. The real proper definition of Bainini is you can take him or her out of any environment and it's not going to have an effect because it's not based on environment. It's an internal thing. It's a commitment. It's a personal thing. So it's not, I'm not going to do it better when I'm in the right environment. I'm not going to do it worse when I'm in the wrong environment. And if I am, if I'm a thermometer, you know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, right? The thermometer tells you the temperature in the room. The thermostat tells the room the temperature. So somebody who is flying high because she's in seminary, that's a thermometer. Of course, the environment is conducive, conducive to ruchnias, so you feel ruchnias. And then you leave, and then you reflect that environment. Okay. So that, properly speaking, you're right, that's not a bainini. Doesn't mean those 10 months are worthless, but that's not a Bainini. A Bainini is going to be somebody who you can put them in any environment and their A, A, their behavior will never lapse because that commitment is 100%. And B, even internally, they have access at times to a tzaddik-like emotional state of not having any internal distraction. That's not their default setting. Default setting is there is a lot of inner noise, but the behavioral perfection is constant, irregardless of environment. Yes, that is correct. That is not dependent on environment. Anything else about... Um, the question yeah? that, um, that uh, yeah? was presented... Isn't it? But the, wouldn't it make sense for the Benoni, like you said, to if he's clinging to Hashem, wouldn't he want uh, to 
like avoid situations where he's going to be tested? Like let's say keep himself in yeah. a climate controlled situation as much as possible? Yes, yes, obviously. Thank you for the clarification. The question was, wouldn't the Bainani want to avoid tests and temptations? Like, wouldn't the Bainani avoid an environment that is distracting? And yes, you know why? Because that's a directive of the Torah, and a Bainani is from. A Bainani does what Torah tells you to do. Torah says you're not allowed to put yourself in the way of a test. So it's not that they look for tests to prove that, you know, I'm a Bainani, but if Hashem puts you there, if, let's say, you have important business being there, that your Avedas Hashem brings you to a place. Classic example would be that, uh, which many people face literally day in and day out, is that if, if I were independently wealthy, I would sit and learn Torah all day. But I'm not, so I have to go to I have to go to the office. Well, that's not the ideal environment. It's not completely free of distraction. And yet, it's not my excuse. I can't say, well, because I'm exposed to a non-ruchniyastika environment, then what do you expect my behaviors to be like? A bainini technically should be able to go to work and deal with whatever you got to deal with, and it shouldn't uh, weaken his behavioral commitment one iota. Yeah? So yeah. a person could work and become the next level, like a Bainoni could achieve being a tzaddik? Can a Bainoni achieve being a tzaddik? Um, like if he gets rid of the noise, or the noise is always there? So the simple answer is no. Because it's not like Bainoni and tzaddik are on a continuum. Are not? No. No. Uh, it's not like that if you become a really good Bainani, then you graduate to Tzaddik. Bainani and Tzaddik are two different ballparks. <coughs> two different ballparks. So it's not a, on a continuum, it's not on a spectrum. By the way, Russia and Bainani are not on a continuum either. Because think about it like this. A Rasha V'tayvloi. We describe this in chapter 10, or chapter 11, rather. His lapses may, may be very infrequent. In fact, maybe one lapse in a lifetime. What if he man manages to make it through life, and he doesn't get around to his Aveda? He didn't get around to it. He didn't get tempted enough. You know, everyone has a price. No one offered him his price yet. Is that a Bainini? A real Bainini, a proper Bainini. It's not. It's not a Bainini. What I'm saying is, it's not like if you can be sin-free long enough, that makes a Bainini. A Bainini has behavioral perfection, but that's not what makes a Bainini a Bainini. That's the indication that, that, they, that the Bainini is a Bainini. 
You understand? It's not behavioral perfection that makes the bainini the bainini. That, that, that's, that, there's a, that's the indication, that's the simon, that's the sign, or the symptom even. It's not the cause. So then let's ask the question, what is the cause? What makes a bainini a bainini? Perfect behavior is the outer indication that he's bainining. <coughs> yeah, yeah. What makes the bainini the bainini is that internal work. That's right, and 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 the success and and the devotion to flawlessness, at least on a behavioral level. That no, there will be no time that this small city will fall for even one moment to the bad king. Won't happen for a minute. What I'm asking is, can yeah. a person ever get rid of the struggle completely and, and get to the next? In other words, is someone born with a soul that struggles versus someone who can get to it? Can we ever quiet the noise, the So we said he can't quiet the noise, yes. We, we described here in chapter 13 that it, if he's really into his davening, really deeply into uh, meditation. And that's the tzaddik moments. That's a tzaddik moment. Right, so can he ever get, can a person ever quiet, quiet it Quiet it down completely? Wouldn't that make him a tzaddik if he says no. he's First of all, uh, let me give you two answers. First, first of all, no. That wouldn't make him a tzaddik. If he still has an animal soul that is capable of derailing his life, even if it isn't actively working at that, that's not a tzaddik. Okay, but second second of all, and this is the more important answer of the two, and this is what we'll finish with today. The more you learn Tanya, the more you realize the goal is not to be conflict-free. That was not the goal. Now maybe that's why we came here to the Alta Rebbe to begin with. Maybe that's what motivated us. We showed up and we said, what's wrong? I'm working and I'm not succeeding and it's so hard and what's wrong with me? And am I, am I a hypocrite? Am I lying to myself? Why can't I have success? So maybe we initially come here because the conflict is, is, is what moved us to, to present ourselves. But ultimately what the Alta Rebbe teaches us in Tanya is the conflict is not your enemy. The conflict's not a problem. Uh, to the contrary, and in Yetz Hashem, if you stick with me long enough, when we get to chapter 27, chapter 27 will actually even teach you the conflict is a good thing. You should celebrate the conflict. The, the conflict has inherent preciousness. Okay, how can you wrap your head around that? We're not going to today. But if you stick, stick with me until chapter 27, you'll find out. So the goal is not to become conflict-free. Who told you the goal was that life should become easy? The goal is service. The goal is service. And if I serve Hashem, not only in spite of my conflict, but with my conflict, my struggle is my service. A tzaddik has a different service. A tzaddik doesn't serve Hashem with struggle because a tzaddik doesn't struggle. But for the rest of us, Roshoyim, Beninim, Beninim in training, we serve Hashem with our struggle. So there's no, there's no inherent value to becoming struggle-free. And it's impossible. 
It's not technically impossible, but it's not a goal. It's not the goal. The goal is to serve Hashem. 